Good morning. Didn't they do a good job? Did they? Yes. It's okay. It's okay to say thank you. I think God wants us to be grateful. I think that's all right. Hey, listen, today we are wrapping up our series on the church. Uh, today we are talking about how the church is the family of God. Uh, if you've got a Bible or if you are in the YouVersion app, uh, you can be with, uh, following along with us in the text in Ephesians chapter 2. We'll be in verses 11 through 22. Some people to follow along with this, this, uh, our passage for this morning. Uh, I hope you've been with us through this series, and I hope that you have increased your appreciation for, uh, for the church and for what the church is. Uh, if you have been with us, then you know that we started off by looking at how the church is going to last forever, and that this church that God has given to us is an amazing gift that, that is going to last for all of time, bringing praise and honor and glory to God. Uh, we've also looked at how God's plan for the world is the church, and we as individuals make up the church. The church isn't a place you go or something you do, but it's us, and so we are God's plan to save the world. That's the church. That's who we are. Last week, we looked at how the church has been entrusted with the secret, the, the mystery, uh, the very power and wisdom of God that is Jesus Christ, and how Jesus has been given to the church not to keep a secret or a mystery as Paul will describe it, but how Jesus has been given to the church that we would share Jesus with the world. And today, we're going to talk about how the church is part of God's family, how it is God's family, and, and how it is a blessing for us. Now, if you've been in a church for a while, or you've been maybe a part of Bowling Green Christian Church for a while, uh, you know that the church is a blessing. And yet, I think a lot of people look at the church and they say, you know what, church, it's something I have to do. And I want to say this. I don't think God came up with the idea of the church, invented the church, in the hopes that you just have one more thing that you have to squeeze into your busy weekend. I don't think God was saying, you know, I want people to not be able to sleep in on Sunday. And so I'm going to make sure that there's something they've got to get up early for. Uh, I don't think people have enough to do. I don't think they've got enough organizations they're involved with. And so I want to create one more thing that people have to go do. I, I don't think that at all was God's intent. And if you've been to church for a while, and if you've been here, I think you would say, no, it's a blessing. I don't have to go to church. The right word I really feel is I get to go to church. I get to be a part of church. I get to go connect with these people. I get to go be encouraged. I get to go be challenged in my thinking. And so it is a blessing for me to go to church. It's not a task. It's not an obligation. It's a gift. And I really hope that as we've gone through the series, that you've been able to see more and more the gift that the church is. And I've talked with a lot of people, and some of you are here in this service, and some of you in the last service, where you've been through difficult things in your life. And you face some really, really hard challenges. And in those, you've told me, you've come to me and said, the church has been such a blessing to us during this point in our life. And I don't know how people that don't have the church, I don't know how they get through these kinds of things. And, and I know that a lot of you, that's your testimony. And the church is a wonderful blessing. It's a wonderful gift. And it's not a lot of wonderful um, benefits that it gives to us. And, and so this morning, as we think about being the family of God, I pray that we would sort of capture that and capture that essence of 
planner, the three times a month planner, or even that. You know, some people need every week planner. It's a great plan to do it. I'm on that plan. Um, I know, you're a good preacher, right? You've got you to gotta be here every week. You know, well, what if, I was talking to another preacher. He said, what if the call of ministry isn't that high? What if the reason for preachers is because we're the only people that come every week? I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. But it's a blessing. The church is a blessing. And so as, as we think about that, as we get ready to the text, let's, let's bow our heads and pray and ask that God would bless us as we, as we get into this. Gracious Lord, it is a gift to be a part of the church. It is a blessing to be a part of the church. And so this morning, Lord, as we think about the church being the family of God, your family, as we think about us being your sons and daughters and brothers and sisters here this morning, Heavenly Father, would you please uh, help us understand this, help us to see this, uh, open our eyes and our hearts and our minds and the same spirit that inspired uh, your holy word, would it please help us to understand and apply it to them? We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, let's just look at the first two verses. We see this. It says this. It says, So then, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, by birth, called the uncircumcision, by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you, that's us, that's me, that's you, that we were at that time without Christ. We were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. That's not a real positive place to be, to be separated. What Paul is saying is this, is it's pretty simple, it's pretty basic, is that all of us are born and in our natural state are outside of God's family. We are not connected to God. We're not connected to the church. We're not connected to uh, Christ and the benefits of Christ. We're outside of the family in our natural state. In our natural state. We're outside of the family of God. And as such, we don't have benefits. Uh, the benefits of being in the family. Uh, in high school, uh, my family and I, we lived in Denver, Colorado. And in Denver, once a year, they have this giant uh, rodeo and stock show. It's the National Western Stock Show. It is a big deal. If you're a horse people or livestock people, you've heard of the, uh, the, the stock show there in Denver, Colorado. They do it once a year. It lasts about two weeks. It takes over like, two arenas. They've got a uh, walkway that goes under the interstate to connect both the arenas. And anybody who's anybody that's got a big belt buckle is there. I mean, they are there. It's a big deal. Big belt buckles. I mean, it is, it is something. And they've got tractors and combines and cattle and, and stock and birds and chickens. I mean, all, all manner of anything you can think of at the fair, it's there, but it's the national sort of fair. And it, it's the rodeo, but it's like, it's like a final. It's like, it's maybe not the Super Bowl that happens in Las Vegas is the rodeo, but it, it's, it's on its way up there. Okay, so this is a big deal. And everybody shows up to this place. Even if you don't like it, everybody turns into a cowboy just for a day or two to go to the National uh, Stock Show there in Denver. And for a couple years, my brother worked at the Dodge dealership where he got these uh, really cool little pins because Dodge sponsored it. And these little pins you wear them, and they would let you go anywhere, like anywhere in the stock show. So you're there, and there's people saying, you can't come back here because there's raging bulls. You would just point to your pen, and they would assume that you knew what you were doing, and they would admit you to the area with the raging bulls. And you could go back there, and you could see the bulls in the pen before they loaded into the shoes, and you could see everybody getting ready. And it was really the coolest thing to be able to do that, to go see 
I'm sure it was very, very expensive. But here's the thing is it didn't really matter to me because I didn't have to pay for it. These are gifts. The only reason I got it is because I was related to somebody. I was somebody's brother, and they said, here, nobody's using them tomorrow. Why don't you use them? And I said, that would be fantastic. And we used them. It was a lot of fun. You see, those are the benefits of being a family. What, what did you get that for? I, I, who do you know? Well, I'm just related to somebody. I'm part of the family. Now, Paul is talking to us about benefits. He's saying, listen, you are excluded in your natural state from the benefits of Christ. You have been put out. You are strangers, he says. You, you, you're not even friends. Nobody even knows who you are. He says, in your natural state, you are disconnected from all of the benefits of God's family. And these benefits are far better than any type of rodeo or structure. These are benefits of eternal life. These are consequences that, that, that have a life or death uh, value attached to them. And what Paul is saying is this, is that unless you accept Jesus Christ, unless you become a part of God's family, you do not have God as your father. Because God doesn't have any grandchildren. And I know we operate under this assumption a lot of times, it's sort of God has grandchildren. And maybe you think of yourself as God's grandchild because your mom, she went to church every Sunday and she was really, really faithful. Or your dad, maybe he was a preacher and you think, man, that, that sort of gets me in. I, I sort of get a buy-in. I'm, I'm God's grandchild. But Scripture makes it real clear. God has no grandchildren. He's only got children. And so either God is your father or he's not. Those are your only choices. And unless God is your father, you are separated from the family of God. But the good news is this. Is that God has invited you to join the family of God. That's what Jesus is about. That's what Easter last week we celebrated. That's what that's all about. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 through 18 says this. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace in his flesh. He has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new humanity in the place of two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near, for through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. Jesus has come to make us part of God's family. Now, what is a family? Let's just think about that. I know we sort of all have operating definitions on what a family is or isn't, what it might be or what it might not be. Now, let's just come up with a few things that we know are, are pretty standard for. One is a family is an exclusive group. You can't just go knock on somebody's door and say, hey, listen, you don't know me and I don't know you, but from now on, we're family. It, it doesn't work like that. I mean, you, you might even have friends and you say, hey, we're going to now, from now on, be family. It, it doesn't work like that. Uh, a family is the most exclusive of all clubs and organizations. You have to be born into it or you have to covenant into it. Whether that covenant is a covenant of adoption or a covenant of marriage. Uh, but you have to be covenanted or born into that family. You can't just show up and say, all right, I'm in. The other thing about family is you can't declare yourself in it. The family has to be the one to accept you. The family has to be the one to initiate that. The family has to say, we want you to be a part of our family. You see, that's what Jesus' message was, is that God had looked at us 
as wayward children, lost and wandering and disconnected and far removed. He said, I want you to come and be a part of my family. That's what the church is supposed to be. This family that stays together, is committed to each other, cares for each other. Now, I know we all come from different kinds of families. And some of you, as we talk about the church being a family of God, you get this idea of a family staying together and caring for each other and being supported. And that's, that's sort of who you are, because that, that is your family. Other of you come from different kinds of families, where, where maybe you put the fun and dysfunction, and your family was just all about that, and you were just kind of really dysfunctional, and you were kind of disconnected, and you didn't really stay together, and you didn't really care about each other. Uh, at the, the peak of the Brady Bunch, the, the TV show in the 70s. Uh, they were getting you know, hundreds of fan letters daily. And one of the fan letters they got a lot was children writing and saying, I'm going to leave my family, I'm going to come to Hollywood, and I'm going to join the Brady Bunch. Now, they didn't say they were going to join the Brady Bunch like the TV show. They wanted to join the family. They wanted to actually join the Brady family. They wanted to be you know, the 10th box of the, the Brady Bunch. They wanted to be the next child. They got so many letters like this that, that the uh, producer and the creator had a form letter created that they would send back to all of the kids who wrote in asking to be part of the family, and they would address it to the parents of those children and say, listen, your kids, you're about to lose them. You've got to double down or these kids are going to break loose on you. I mean, but that's, that's that's the yearning we all have for family. We want to be connected. And God says, listen, you can be connected with me. You can be a part of my family. Because regardless of the type of family you have, we're all invited to be part of God's family. And God's family is kind of unique. Because regardless of the kind of family you have or have now, guess what? It's a limited time engagement. Because no family lasts forever. Death always separates. If you have children are born, but so they become parents, and then parents become grandparents, and grandparents become memories. And all of a sudden, that family sort of starts over. In God's family, we realize that there is only one family that is not separated by death, and that is a family of Jesus Christ. Only God's family is going to rest. And Paul is writing here in these five verses, 13 through 18, and he's giving us some pretty key truths about what it means to be part of God's family. The first thing is this. He says, listen, I don't want you to be afraid because the price of admission is already paid. He says, it's through the blood of Christ that you have been brought here. He says, I don't want you to feel excluded because he's torn down a wall that's kept this out. And there was literally a wall in Jerusalem that kept the Israelites separated from the Gentiles, and only the Israelites could come into the temple and into God's house. And, and Paul says, listen, that wall has now been removed. And in Christ, you can come in and be part of the family. He says, I, I, I want you to know I've gotten rid of the legal obstacles. I've gotten rid of all these requirements. So regardless of what your tradition was like, you don't need to feel self-conscious about who you are or what you've done or where you've been, because Christ is making in us one new humanity. He says, I don't want you to be clueless about all of this. That's why Christ came and proclaimed the message. He preached the message of peace to everybody far and near. You see, Jesus has paid the price. He's removed the barriers. And in his own body, he has made it possible for us to be one and have access to the one Father. And it's in Christ that we can be part of this family that always has a place for us. 
In Jesus Christ, in the family of God, there is always a place for you. Friends, you are a member of the household of God. And that means you have a room in your Father's house. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22 reads this way. It says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints, also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Jesus told the disciples this. He said, listen, I am going to prepare a place for you. He says, in my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I am going to make one up for you. You see, if you are in Jesus Christ, you have a room in our Father's house with your name on it. And not only is this something that's come up recently, but this is something that's been around. When is this not going to plan for salvation? You go back to the Old Testament, written thousands of years before Jesus, and you find this character by the name of Abraham. Abraham, the New Testament calls as the father of faith because he was the first to really believe in God. And Paul says it was credited to him as righteousness. And so all of us in Jesus Christ are sort of children of Abraham. And, and God took Abraham outside one night, and he said, I want you to look up to the sky, and I want you to see all of the stars that are up there. And, and, and Abraham, as many stars as there are in the sky, that's how many children you are going to have. That's, that's how numerous your descendants are going to be. And, and Rich Wallace, he writes a song about this. He says, sometimes step by step, this is in the song. He says, sometimes I think about Abraham and how one star he saw had been lit for me. And friends, I think that's a powerful picture that God has prepared for us a place and he has given us a room and he has got our name written down. And not only do we have a room, but we also have a place at the table. You know, in our house, I don't know how your house works, but in our house we have seats at our table. Uh, there's no names written on them, but we all know this is your seat, this is my seat, from next spots. It, it lets everybody have a place. It lets everybody know that if we've got other people in the house, they know that they always have a chair at the table. There's not that many of us. We know if you're missing, but if you were to do roll call and come to the table, we would know, okay, somebody's not in their chair, but we know who's there, we know who's not. And I think about I think about this, and I think about this with God. And I mean, you know, we're going to come later to a place at the Lord's table. We get this picture of there being a banquet in heaven. And I think of it that way. I think that God has got a place at the table for all of us in Jesus Christ. And, and I think the thing that we need to do most as Christ followers is that we've got to remember that. You know, we go in a lot of places where we feel like we don't belong, where we feel out of place, we feel disconnected. And the truth is we might be out of place, and we might be disconnected, and we might not belong in those places. But where we always belong is with God. He has always got a place for us. All right, so we're probably coming to that. We've all got a place. The second thing you've got is if you are in the family of God, you have got a strong heritage. You've got a good past. This past is built upon Jesus Christ. It's built upon the apostles. You have a place there on the wall of fame. If you go into houses where you've got family, one of the things you see in every house is pictures, right? There's pictures on the, the, the coffee table. There's pictures on the mantel. There's pictures hanging on the wall. And who are in these pictures? Uh, who, who gets to make it on the wall? Not people we like or you know, we saw on TV once, but they're pictures of family, right? These are, these are pictures of us. They're pictures of, of kids and grandkids. And they're pictures of parents and grandparents. And they're pictures that tell us who is part of this family story. 
And you can look at the pictures and you can say, this was grandpa, and this was great grandpa. And these, we've got albums and photo books, and we pull those out, and we look at them, and we remember the story, the heritage of our family. Hebrews gives us a similar picture in, in chapter 12. It says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that we are surrounded by a great many faithful people who have come and gone before us. And in that, we are part of the story of God. And so I don't know what kind of story your family tells or what kind of story your family has made up, but I will tell you that if you are in Jesus Christ, your story is God's story. And so you just got to go back to Scripture, and you can read about your heritage, your family's story. And we need to remember that this is our family, and not forget. Recently, I was listening to a podcast, this guy was talking about her experience with amnesia. And she had had a traumatic accident to her head and had forgotten everything. She woke up and she remembered vaguely that she had been taken to the hospital, but she couldn't remember her name or where she lived or who she was. And there was a gal that came up to her and said, I'm your friend. And she said, I couldn't remember her, so I had to take it at face value that we were friends and that we knew each other. And so she drove me to my house. And she said, this is your apartment. She lived in New York. And let's go through your purse and we'll find your keys. And so she opened up this purse that she told was hers. And she looks at this ID and it's got her picture. So she assumes that's who she is. And sure enough, there's keys to this apartment. And they open up the door and they go inside. And she says, I want to call my parents. And so she gets the phone number and she calls her dad. And this man's voice answers on the other side of the phone. And he says, I'm your dad. And she said, again, I couldn't remember him. I had to take it to face value because this was my dad. And she started to write all these things down about who she was and the things that were important to her. She said she had a friend that came to her and said, don't let her eat meat because she's a vegetarian. And she said, I didn't know I was a vegetarian, so I wrote that down. I thought that might be really important later. I might need to know that I'm a vegetarian. And so slowly through a bunch of post she sort of pieces her life together. But she said this really profound thing. She said, I couldn't remember how to feel about any of this stuff. She said, I, I knew that this person was my dad. I knew that this person was my mom, but I couldn't feel any emotion connected with them. She said, I was driving through New York in a cab. She said, I looked and I saw that pole in the skyline where the Twin Towers used to be, and I couldn't remember the story, and they told me the story. She said, but I couldn't feel anything about that. She said it wasn't until about six months later she started to regain what she called her memories of feelings. She was driving and she saw those, that hole again where the, sky used to, where the sky used to be blocked by those towers. And she said, I started to cry because I remember the feeling of loss. And as I thought about that story, it really stuck with me. What would it be like to have everything wiped away and then to slowly relearn not just your facts about your life, but your feelings about your life? I really thought in many ways that, that sums up who we are as Christians. Because we were created originally to be part of God's family. He made us to be with Him forever. We were made to be His sons and His daughters and always to sit at His table and always to have a place in His home. But through our sin, we separated ourselves from that and we've forgotten who we were and we've even forgotten our allegiance. And so sometimes people come and they start to get this uh, mental ascent and say, yeah, I know who God is, but we, we fail to get that connection. And, and Paul is writing very powerfully saying, listen, Christ has come to bring you home, to give you a seat at the table, to give you a room, to give you a place, to give you a heritage, and to even give 
heritage sets the foundation for a good future. And, and even as they're united by Paul writes to it, like Christ is grateful to her to be. These are families that can weather any storm. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says this. It says, so then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those that are the family You see, being part of the family doesn't mean you just sit static and you go, all right, well, we're family. No, there's a family that grows, right? Families grow. They have children. You add to the family. People marry into the family. The family gets larger. This is what Paul talks about there in that verse when he says that this family is growing. It is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That's the picture here. That, that Paul says, I want this church to be a growing church. Now, it's not just about numbers. Numbers aren't everything. But I'll tell you, numbers matter, friends. They do. Because every person that's in the church is a soul that is restored and reconnected with the heavenly Father. And so to that extent, every soul, every member matters. And as a church, as a family, we're not content to sit around and to get old and to just sort of say, well, we had a good time. No, 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 no. We want to be a family that, that is, is getting more pictures put up on the wall, in more places at the table, in more rooms ready. In Revelation, we see this family picture uh, of having children from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And it's a shame that we live in a time where Islam is growing twice as fast as Christianity. And yet, let me tell you, we've never lived in a time where we have had more access to more people around the world through the internet and through freedom of speech and through all sorts of things. There's no reason why the church should not be growing and the family of God getting larger. Our worship team is going to come up. We're going to sing a song of decision here a little bit. And that song of decision is for folks, maybe just like you, who not made it. You know, an ascent to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, to become a part of the family of God. So we love for you to come forward this morning and to receive that gift. Others of you need to make a commitment to the church. And, and it's time for you to say, yeah, I'm going to make a commitment. This is going to be my church home. I'm going to be sure that I'm committed to serving here and to reaching God's people through the work and ministry of the Holy Christian Church. I'm going to you know, you've been here and you are a member and you've been a part of this church. And I would say, maybe it's time for you to get a little more committed. You know, we run all sorts of Bible studies in Sunday school classes, not because we get, you know, paid on commission, you know, we get paid on a, you know, an activity basis, the busier we are. That's not how it works. But we host Bible studies, we host Sunday school classes because we think that they're really good for you. You know, in a room this size, we can all be friends, we can all be acquaintances. We can all maybe know each other's faces, but we're not going to really know each other's stories. This is where you've got to get involved. This week, we had a great start for our men's uh, brown bag Bible study. We had guys that took off from work, ran through, picked up some food, and came by and, and participated. We had some guys that took some time out of being retired to come and to join us and sit at the table, and, and we had a great time. Now, now, why do we do that? It's because we feel like men are disconnected, and we think men need to get together and connect with their faith. And so this Wednesday, guess what? We're going to do that again. And maybe it's time for you this morning, Sam, when I get together, I'm going to get connected. You know, before this week, Sunday school, all during 915 downstairs, there are all sorts of ways for you to get connected with people. Maybe it's time for you to get connected with them. I know we've got a women's evening Bible study that's about to begin. 
been here and maybe you've never gotten connected and you don't know how to get connected or maybe you're kind of new. I got one more thing to say about. We've got a connection list coming up. Robin already talked about that on the seventh. That whole thing is about how you can get connected in the family of God. And so as we wrap up our series on the church, let's not just leave with an appreciation and say, oh, I appreciate the church more. Let's leave with a renewed commitment to be a part of the family of God and to all do what we can to be connected and as Galatians says, to serve each other because the church is a gift and it's time we appreciated it and it's time we used it. God gave us the church. It's time that we, we utilized it for the blessing that it is. All right, I'm going to have you stand. And like I said, we're going to sing this song of decision. If you've got a decision to make this morning, whether it's to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, to become a part of the family of God, or to make a commitment to this church, we'll invite you to come forward and be saved.